Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined by Jay Judd. He's a district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in East Denver. And today, we're talking all about loving your leaves. Jay, how are you? Good. How's it going today? Thanks for having me on. Well, I love the, the leaves as a source for compost, but I hate the leaves because I have to blow them off everything because I live in an oak forest. So let's talk about loving those leaves. Uh, and what yeah. a what a resource they could actually be. Yeah. No, I mean, you've got a natural fertilizer there that you're bagging up and adding to a landfill. Um, you know, I heard once there's around 30 million tons of yard waste that goes into the landfill, um, and that comes out as a methane gas that there's no oxygen there, right? So not only are you hurting the environment, it's kind of like you're double hurting because you could be using that yard waste and putting it back into the soil for either your turf or your trees. Just mowing it over, you know, mowing it over, breaking it up and leaving it there. That's what I like to do. I'm out in Colorado, not as many leaves as other parts of the country. You know, we've got a few trees on the property, but we're not in uh, forests of leaves out here. So yeah, in my case, I do that. Uh, I run the mower over them, but in some cases it, it just, it's too thick. And I've got to get them off. I never send mine to the curb, but I've got a place where I can put them. Uh, And my house has been here since 1939, and somebody has been throwing those leaves over the edge of a hill. And at the bottom of that hill, where those leaves have been since 1939, you dig down in there. That is some good stuff for gardening and for mulching and such. Yeah. Yeah, with a lot of leaves, that's an option. When you have more, then you can just spread out on the turf, um, doing a compost pile with it, mixing it with other stuff too, not just leaves, grass clippings, um, some stuff from the house, you know, different leftover vegetables, stuff like that, cuttings. Um, That'll make a a quicker compost. Takes a while for the leaves to decompose by themselves. How about shredded leaves as a mulch? Is that okay or... Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it makes for a great ground cover, holds in moisture. And then just like you were saying with that big leaf pile at the bottom of the hill, you know, um, that that just breaks up on the bottom side and adds nutrients around a shrub, around a tree. Um, It'll help keep weeds down too. You know, you brought up something interesting there about, about leaves. You know, if it's just leaves, it takes a lot longer for them to break down. Uh, and so that that's a great suggestion there to mix that up with other things. You know, the leaves, it's just all carbon. It's all brown, but add some new nitrogen in there and it'll break down a lot quicker, right? Exactly. Yep. That's the science to it. Absolutely. So in Colorado, when is fall foliage? <laughs> the same as the rest of the the country you know we're looking at our nice each year is a little bit different depending on the weather um the aspen in the mountains is kind of the the sea um you know everyone goes up and uh locally they'll give the best viewing weekends um so that should be coming up here 
in the next month where people will be flocking up there to see the Aspen stands change. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And how does a season affect that color? Because every year it's different. And what was your season like? And what do you think your fall foliage is going to be? Yeah. So when it's super, super dry, we don't get as much of the color. Uh, A few years ago in Colorado, we got a frost, so we didn't get any color in the city, which was super disappointing. All those brilliant reds, yellows on the maple trees, everything went to brown really quick. Um, We have very unseasonal dry weather, and we have for the last few years, so that really affects those brilliant colors. And And it may affect the aspens in the mountains, too. You know, we'll see. What are your favorite trees for fall color? Um, Out here, a popular tree is the autumn blaze maple. Um, You're going to get a variety of color with that as long as we don't get the frost, as long as (laughs) we get enough moisture. Um, But the autumn blaze maple's got some great color to it, yeah, by far. And then I heard that you do some uh, craft projects with the kids, right? (laughs) Yes, yep, yeah. So, you know, imprints with the leaves. Um, looking at the different leaves, uh, when they get, we have a lot of Japanese beetle out here so they can get skeletonized. That's going to give you a different imprint than a regular leaf. Um, you know, uh, all the way down to just crushing leaves and putting them into a little jar and collecting them. So <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Tell me about the imprints. How do you do that? And just put some ink or paint or you put the paint on the paper, then put the leaf into it. People think of the stamping method, but the other way around is pretty fun. I was thinking the same thing just the other day as we're, you know, coming up with fall, coming up to fall, coming up to the leaves falling. How much fun we used to have as kids in school doing that, identifying leaves and, you know, maybe putting them between, I think we used to put them between wax paper, that sort of thing. There's yeah. a, you know, a lot of good lessons for kids to learn by, by doing that. Yep, absolutely. I bring home little uh, little leaves and sticks for the kids all the time. Um, different diseases, insects are pretty cool. Hopefully, uh, make make my four year old an arborist uh, by the time she's five. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you become an arborist? What was your uh, route? Yeah, um, I didn't start out trees. I started out computers and decided to get into the conservation core. Um, I was out in Flagstaff, Arizona, doing just wildfire thinning, um, more on the the pine felling side of things. Um, I did some rock climbing down there, too. Had a buddy come work for Davey in Denver, and he said, you get to climb and run a chainsaw all at once. So um, I came out here about 15 years ago and started as a climber and realized this is an industry that I wanted to make a career of, you know, um, Davey's uh, definitely taking care of me. There's a lot of different tree companies in the Denver area, but Davey was one that uh, you could work your way up the ladder. You weren't just going to be a climber for the rest of your career if you worked here. And as I got more involved and started loving the industry more, it seemed like a good place to, to work. And what about the fact that it's employee owned? What does that mean for you? How does that connect with what you do? No, absolutely. It does. You know, it does. Um, Being an employee owner for 10 years, I can definitely see the difference. Um, 
you don't want all your eggs in one basket, but it's a good place to tuck a little bit of your paycheck each week. Um, and, you know, so far, history's shown it's been pretty good. It also feels good to tell clients that this is an employee-owned company. Um, you know, everything that we do as a group, this is our company. We kind of are representing. There isn't someone over us that's making the decisions. Um, and that, that feels good. That's a comfortable feeling. And I've never worked in an employee owned company before. So, yeah. And tell me a little, tell me a little bit about what you get out of your job in general, de dealing with the clients. And I know you have to manage also. So, um, my job entails working one on with clients, uh, being a sales representative and managing the office as a whole coming from the field, um, working in the trees, climbing the trees, um, that, that <laughs> your body can handle that for so long. Um, you know, after about 10 years of that, I kind of worked my way out of the field. Um, so I like having a job where I can get outside, work outside, talk with people, talk about what I love. Um, and the experience with working with the crews and managing the office, there's a lot of life lessons there. I see uh, myself and some of the other people that come in. I remember my first day. Um, I remember my third year. I remember becoming a foreman, you know, and it's really cool to see people grow um, in the industry. Um, and, and I like to think I sort of feel their pain sometimes um, and understand, you know, where they're coming from. But, um, you know, it's a, it's an exciting job. There's a lot of, it's very diverse, you know, not, it's not the same office every day. It is in the morning and the afternoon, but um, every backyard's a, a new office space for me to be hanging out in and um, enjoying Colorado. You know, it's great. You know, I did an interview last year with a district manager and he still has a 61 year old climber working with him. So not, not every, not everybody ages out, Jay. I had a 67. He retired at 68. He was wow. retired four months ago. So he loved working in the field. He didn't want to get into any sort of role in management, um, which, you know, there's plenty of uh, guys and gals out there that just want to do that with their career. Um, for me, my body was feeling it and I knew, you know, I also wanted to try out different aspects of the industry. So that was my, my choice, my game plan, but yeah. So when we're talking about love our leaves, talk a little bit about the role that leaves do have with the tree itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, leaves are an important, important part of our society, not just the environment. Um, you know, working in Denver, I'm in a city here. Um, the value of having the trees, there's more than just everybody knows that you get oxygen from leaves. Um, but the leaves, the trees, they help cool down some of these really urban environments. You know, if you imagine it's nothing but buildings and pavement with no leaves, just go into a parking lot, you kind of feel that, you know, um, you go into a an area that's a park or something that has a lot of trees, you feel the difference there. Um, naturally, they cool off place. They also just make people feel good, right? Seeing green, 
I mean, it's got a psychological effect. Um, so, I mean, you could look at leaves or trees or shrubs, um, you know, but having the leaves around you feels a lot better. I think that's probably why people bring plants indoors to office spaces and then their houses. Um, so uh, leaves before they fall off the tree are, are pretty beneficial also. And it's interesting to see how each leaf is different. You know, when you talked about working with your kids and doing those imprints, but you know, that's a way we identify certain trees just by that shape of the leaf and the size of the leaf. I was walking through a forest the other day and there was lots of tulip trees, uh, you know, and that, that, that leaf is just, there's nothing else like it. Um, I'm proud to say the four-year-old was telling her mother, which was a white oak and which was a red oak last weekend, which my wife didn't even know. She was shocked. (laughs) I think you're going to have to get an application from Davey (laughs) in the works here uh, because I couldn't tell you the difference between a red and a white oak by its leaf. Gee, that's something. Yeah, yeah. So before I let you go, I always like to ask arborists, and I always preface it with, we know there's a a lot of right tree, right place before we say anything about this, but I'd like to talk about some of your favorite trees that when, when it's right, that you like to add to, to a client's landscape and you're, you're happy for them because you know, this tree is going to be something special for them. Yeah. I like that you. Uh, say when it's right, because <laughs> in Colorado and Denver, where we're at, none of the trees are native. Um, there was a cottonwood by a creek, and and that's it. At this elevation, when you go up a little bit higher, you start seeing pine trees. Um, one of everyone's favorite trees is an aspen tree, because we're in Colorado, right? Aspens aren't native at this elevation. You need to get up into the mountains um, until you start seeing them there, and. Uh, that's disappointing to a lot of clients because they're short-lived. You get about 20 years out of them. Um, they are great. It's nice to see an aspen out your window. Uh, but, uh, you know, just understanding that you're probably going to be half, you're probably going to have to put a different tree in there, uh, in a, in 10 years, maybe 20. Um, you know, for me again, not native to where we are. I really like the red bud trees, Uh, In Colorado, they're not getting as large as other parts of the country where they're native. Um, But I really love the flower in the spring if we don't have a frost out here. Um, I think uh, peas growing off a tree is pretty interesting, too. So uh, it's pretty unique. (laughs) With that red bud in your climate, how often does it not bloom? (laughs) So um, I would say it seems like every two years we get a frost here, Um, you know, which is good for people that have crab apple trees over their front walk, then they don't have crab apples that year, but you lose the flowers. So it's uh, bittersweet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it's bad for guys like me and the uh, mid Atlantic States. We, that's, that's how we see magnolias about every yeah. other year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, you know, it seems like uh, the frost events are increasing either fall or spring um, out here. Same with the snow events in, in Colorado. You know, heavy, heavy, wet snows after Mother's Day. Uh, a lot of leaves have already popped out. And trees uh, have that surface area to really grab that snow and break. Yeah. What's the latest you've ever, when you've been there, have you, the latest you'd ever seen snow? Oh, 
I think more interesting is the earliest was like September one year. Yeah. So we would have had a snow already. And don't quote me, maybe six years ago, we would have seen our first snow. And then it goes back to 80 degrees for a month. And then 70 and we don't see snow until March again. But (laughs) it's pretty, uh, the weather's a bit funky out here for sure. You know, I grew up in Connecticut, so... Um, 20 years in Connecticut, 20 years out West. Uh, you know, I'd like to say I'm more of a Coloradoan at this point, uh, but uh, the forest is going back home is claustrophobic for me <laughs> driving down the roads compared to out here. <laughs> well, do me a favor. Give me one more tree and then I'll let you go. Yeah. Um, we kind of touched on it before, but the autumn blaze, uh, it's a pretty tree. It's fast growing. Uh, you know, the, the temperature swings kind of affect them, but they're a good shade tree to put in. Um, you know, ash used to do really good out here. We're dealing with the emerald ash borer now. So unfortunately that's not an option to plant. Um, but I would say that's, uh, for a quicker growing shade tree, that's got good color and will give you some of that shade in the evening on the West side, autumn blaze maple. Yeah. Well, you brought it up, so now I got to go deep into Emerald Ash Borer. Now they decimated our area here. We have we have basically zero ashes left. Where are you guys, and what is the prognosis? Yeah, I think uh, we learned a lot from you guys. Um, Denver jumped on uh, doing the programs called Be a Smart Ash. Um, that came out almost eight years ago, maybe a little bit more when it was found in Boulder. Um, the city of Denver hasn't seen emerald ash borer yet. It hasn't been announced. Um, geographically between, uh, Boulder where it came, where it started in Colorado and Denver, we're about halfway here. Um, it's the last place they've found it or the most recent place is a city called Arvada. So halfway between. Um, but I, the preventatives, I mean, there's the city of Denver has great programs. They were even giving people other trees to get rid of um, some of the ash on their property. Uh, they do trunk injections on right away trees, city trees. Um, there's incentives for people with ash to do something else. Um, and, you know, that started eight years ago and you got to think it, it, it's not here yet. So um, Boulder still has ash trees. It's no... Chicago, you know, there, um, and it's been there for quite a while. So I think the, the lessons learned, um, from cities that were early on in the attacks, um, you know, other cities have taken forestry departments and a company like Davey, who is on the front lines in some of the cities, you know, we can take this and bring it to, uh, other cities and they, we've been educated from that. Yeah. As somebody who spends their life working with trees, when something like this comes around, how do you feel about it? What are you thinking? I mean, I, I th- I'm amazed that I'm amazed that they started this program so early. That is phenomenal, you know, because when it hit here, we didn't know anything. Yeah. We, we didn't know what they were going to do. We didn't know how bad it was going to get, and it it got bad. So how do you look at it as a professional, you know, somebody that works with trees professionally every day? Yeah. Um, frustrating would be the word for multiple reasons. You know, you don't want to lose a tree. Um, 
the education side with clients. Um, you know, some people really love their large front yard ash tree, but they just maybe think it's hokey to be paying money to do something to it when there's no insect at their neighbor's house yet. Um, but you know, it's a preventative, um, a healthy ash tree is going to have a pretty good success rate with it. Um, some of these people invest a lot of money into their ash in other ways, you know, um, so that, that part's frustrating. Um, I think we're getting very close in the next few years to Denver, uh, starting to see it and, and getting on, uh, getting on board with doing injects in the next couple of years, uh, would be good for people that live in Denver at least. Yeah. All right, Jay, I'm going to let you go. I kept you a little longer than I told you I was, but uh, you brought up that awful emerald ash board. And I, I was very interested to hear hear what you're doing there. And I, I think it's a, a, you know, it's always an awful thing when we have an invasive like that. But it seems like you guys are, are ready to, to, to fight, which is great. Right. Yeah, no, it is. All right, Jay, thanks again. Thanks for all the great information. That was fun. Appreciate your time. Thanks much. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. That's the lesson. Love your leaves and don't send them to the landfill. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, our friend Chelsea Abbott is back. There's fungus among us. Sorry, I just had to do that. She'll discuss different ways to deal with fungal issues. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss an episode. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.